Craft Beer Radio, episode 43, June 8th, 2006. The Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I am Jeff Bear. And I'm Greg Weiss. Okay, that's enough of the radio voices. That's not our new compressor. That's just us doing, you know, radio guys. <laughs> just having fun with the show. You know how that's got to be. We're on episode well, 43. You better have some fun with it. Yeah. Well, you know where we start? We start with the business. Oh, today we're doing Pilsners, by the way. Listener Marty sent us some beer from New England. Fortunately, I had two bottles who didn't make the trip intact. Oh, that's too bad. So let's observe a moment of silence for the Smutty Nose IPA. That's long enough. Sean, thank you, Marty. Sean sent us some uh, Kindle Berliner Weiss. One year of craft beer radio. One whole year. To celebrate our first anniversary, and of course as a gimmick to help us pay some of the beer costs, we're going to send a DVD-ROM of the whole first year of CBR and all the trimmings, every little, uh, st- all the little... You know, show notes, stuff, or any, show notes, anything I have in MP3. Might even record a little bit of something for I the DVD. I think we're probably going to do a little something for the, just for the DVD. Uh, for in, a donation of $25, yeah, you can PayPal it to us. There's a link on our website. We've had a couple people so far, so thank you very much. But we need some more. This promotion is just going <laughs> to not be worth it. <laughs> it's going to fizzle out. Oh, it'll all be in high bit rate and very... Yes, high bit rate, so you'll get it 128 kilobits instead of the measly 48 that we send out over the internet. Yeah, it won't be in stereo if you don't record in stereo. Well, would it be in stereo? No, we don't record in stereo. Okay. But we only got mono mics, so yeah, it'd be it identical really anyway. Yeah. Feedback. And, yes, there are several ways you can send us feedback. You can post a comment on our website, which is, as always, craftbeerradio.com. We've been getting a lot of feedback on yeah. our website and a lot of emails. It's starting to take up a lot of time for me to reply to emails. <laughs> so Greg's been helping out a little bit more, which is great. And uh, we're still going to try to answer everyone who sends us an email. We appreciate the feedback. There's that website, Podcast Alley, where you can vote for us. I have no idea where we are this month. So if you want to do yeah. that, that's fine. Sign up for our Frapper Map. I want to get more people on a Frapper Map. We have like 200 right now. We need to get more. Yeah. More let's, people. Let's push on that. Frapper, Frapper, Frapper. F-R-A-P-P-R. Com There's a link on the right-hand side of our website. Right. So if you, you don't remember, just go to our website, which is craftbeerradio.com. On the right-hand side, there's a Frapper Map link. You don't have to you don't have to sign in and give your email address, I don't think. You can put a pin without creating an account. Yeah. If you create an account, then you can put your picture up and you can right. play in the message boards and, and other stuff. But So you, you can put a pin without creating an account, so you don't have to worry about sending your email or anything. It's just really easy. It's cool. You get to see where a bunch of people are. Listen, and we need more. We need more people there. Yeah, we're going to hit you all for vacation uh, lodging when we drive across the country. <laughs> oh, and our email address, that is beer at craftbeerradio.com. You can send us email or audio comments to that address. Right. Let's move on to email. I didn't get to do a little side thing for what else. Other ways. Uh, I can't think of anything this week anyway. Yeah, if you're telepathic, you can yeah. just put it right into our head. Blink twice and it will come to us. Ben in Seattle wrote in. He just thought he'd drop us a line about episode 42 and how heartbroken he was when he finally read the notes. He was somehow hoping that he hadn't noticed a new brewery in Woodenville. But alas, a beer won't, he won't be able to find. That was when we, uh, I screwed up when I prepped the notes. Oh. And when you read about Harpoon... I put down what where Red Hook is. Oh, okay. Because Red Hook has two brewers in Portsmouth and <laughs> and Woodenville, Washington, and we were drinking the Harpoon, which is just available in Boston. Right. Oh well. I caught that when I was like editing, and I'm like, oh 
man. Carl sent us an email about a restaurant in New York that has a beer sommelier. That's that's pretty cool. Did you read the article? Uh, yeah, I read that. It was more. Before. It was just a restaurant review, but it's pretty neat. The place has over a hundred types of beer, and the author of the article was talking about how she was drinking a beer, and the sommelier was trying to tell him, you know, there's clove in there, and it goes great with this food, and she wasn't picking up the clove, but that'd be a fun job, wouldn't it? Yeah, be a sommelier for beer. Be a hard job, <laughs> just because they're. I mean. It might be even harder than wine because there's so many different flavors and stuff, and you have to think about what flavors really go well with with the food. The the, the restaurant is a Cafe de Alsace. Alsace. It's on the east side, the upper east side, if I remember correctly. There's a link on our to the story on our website. Okay. David writes in. Here's a question. I'd love to hear your answer on a show. Do you have any indefensible guilty pleasure beers? Hmm, let's see here. I probably do. Uh, I'm trying to think about beers that I just really like. I, I, I Well, you're thinking I can answer because I okay. put some thought into this. I honestly don't really have a guilty pleasure beer. Like I don't have a sixer of anything really crappy in my fridge. But I was over at my um, friend's dad's house for my friend's baby's baptism a couple months weeks ago. And he loves his Iron City. Uh-huh. And he... He basically made me, well, I mean, he didn't make me drink an Iron Sea, but I would have been, ru- I mean, he was pushing on me so hard, it would have been yeah. rude for me just not to drink it. So I drank it. You know, I didn't have to like pretend, I, you know, like think about other things like, uh, <laughs> you know, baseball, baseball. Well, no, you know, I, I mean, could drink it and it it wasn't horrible. So, I mean, I'm just, maybe my beer palate's expanding that I'm able to even stomach the, the not so great stuff too. Well, I guess if you're going that far, I mean, I've been over at friends' houses and they've had beer that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily want to drink, but I drank it anyway. Well, I'm sure that's not what David's I wasn't looked. spinning it out. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, oh, this is gross or just commenting the whole time about how gross it was. I was just drinking and been happy with it. Yeah, I'm so, sure that's not what Dave's looking for. I'm sure yeah. he's looking for, um, you know, we have a six pack of, you know, ex, you know, slits or something in the fridge, but I, I don't. So I just wanted to give him something for his yeah, question. I, I can't really say that like I'll go to a place and pick up an MGD or something like that because I won't. Colt 45. Yeah. I guess I really don't have a guilty pleasure beer for se. Uh, David was also the first person to donate for the CBR DVD round, so thanks, David. Drew writes in, you've now drunk one of the two majorly sucky offerings from Summit, the other being the Great Northern Porter, which makes grown men cry from its roastiness. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, yes, do we get extra pale ale, their Maybach or their winter ale out here? Uh, Summit Hefeweizen in Drew Shudders in its mighty dullness. I haven't really looked for uh, Summit Seasonals. I've just seen the IPA and the Hefeweizen uh-huh. around on the shelves. So I'll keep an eye out for those ones. It's good to know that we really weren't missing much with yeah. that skunked Hefeweizen. Oh, Drew, I tried to reply to you, but your mail server is blocking Gmail, mail servers, so no one from Gmail is able to mail you back, so you might want to get your administrator to look into that. Chris writes in about bourbon barrels. Back in episode 41, Greg was and I were talking about bourbon, and Greg thought that somehow the wood might add more alcohol to mm-hmm. the beer. Well, he shot you down here. Yes, he did. Yeah, uh, Young whiskey is, clear, is a clear grain spirit like any other booze. In bourbon and Tennessee whiskey... New white oak barrels are charred to caramelize the sugars that are contained in the wood. The aging process allows the alcohol in the whiskey to interact with the wood, caramelize or not, and dissolve alcohol-soluble compounds into the final product. There are a multitude of compounds in the barrel that have been pu- that are pulled into the whiskey that add flavor, color, and aroma to the final spirit. 
Scotch whiskey is aged in used bourbon barrels and acquires less of the character of the barrel and highlight le terrier of Scotch whiskeys. So there's, you know, round one of your science content for today. Beer is oaked mainly to take on the taste of what was in the barrel and to change the beer character from further conditioning. Sorry, Greg, no more alcohol is provided from the wood. Uh, That's too bad. I thought that might have been the case because I know that you can produce alcohol from wood. There are ways in which you can do that. Okay. But, you know, whatever. I apologize, Chris. Brett writes in, are there certain flavors you look for that would distinguish a porter from a stout? This is a good question. If you look at the definitions on Beer Advocate for American Porter and American Stout, they are practically identical. That's very true, actually. I've, I've seen that. Brett writes, he always thought that a stout should have more roasty flavors and less hoppiness in the porter. But I'll be honest, if you place an average craft brewed porter or stout in front of me and ask me which one it was, I would be hard-pressed to tell the difference. Well, You're pretty right. The, yeah. there, there's a lot of overlap in these styles. If there is a hard and fast rule, which is really not because this rule is broken regularly, but a stout normally contains unmalted roasted barley, where all the malt that is in a porter is malted barley. So that's the technical difference. Right. But malting, you'll find malting is the germination process. You'll find porters that use the roasted barley, and you'll find stouts that don't. Stouts are typically a heavier-bodied beer. As for amount of roastiness, I'm not. I wouldn't really use that as a good qualifier because you're going to find some really roasty porters and some stouts that aren't really that roasty. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, if you put, I mean, maybe Keith, the guy at your party, who was who was president of your homebrew club, who was very good at uh, picking out different styles, would be able to detect them. But you or me would probably have a hard time detecting the difference between uh, a close. Porter and a close style, you know, porters that were close to each other. It, it's really up to the brewer on yeah. what they want to put into it. You know, if they're sticking with the ingredient as the delimiter, then they are. If if they already have a stout in their marketing, you know, in their lineup and they want to have another dark beer but don't want to call it a second stout, they might be urged to push the envelope a little bit and name it a porter. I mean, right. but generally you're going to find a lighter body in a porter, a heavier body in a stout. You also wouldn't nitrogenate a porter. That's a good question. Would you? I don't think I've ever seen a nitro porter. It would work. Probably would work, yeah. Someone's probably done it. I mean, you can nitrogenate a, a pale ale. So. I'm sure some of our listeners have been to a brew pub with a nitro porter. New listener Rob writes in, Jeff and Greg, I'm a new listener to show number 42, and I wanted to chime in on the skunky beers that you ran into. While light is definitely a contributor to skunk, temperature change is as well. Perhaps there is a problem during transport, storage at the distributor, or even the store where you bought them. All it takes is one delayed truck or cooler that won't hold its temperature to mess up a whole lot of good beer. Talk about your party, fell. Anyway, I hope this helps, and I look forward to future shows. Great to have you on, Rob, but I also hate to tell you that uh, that is incorrect. And I'll be going into it a little bit later after the news. Well, you want to do it right now? Since yeah, okay. Why don't I go into – we have a little bit of a science segment here, an in-depth – I did a little research because I, I sent him – I sent Rob the brief explanation, but actually one of the things I, I sent Rob was actually a little bit wrong. So now I'll give the full explanation, which includes some chemical stuff in here. The, the thing is, why do beers get skunked? Well, there's re- it's really a chemical process that has to do with what's called a photilic reaction. There are these things called isoalpha acids. They're also known as isohumulones. They're basically these pentagonal... Hard hydrocarbons that uh, have other stuff on them, little you know side things. You know, other like, gunk is other gunk is what says. I call them. <laughs> now, what are these humulones? Uh, humulones come from hops, which are humulus lupulus flowers. 
and when wort is boiled, humulone molecules rearrange to form the more soluble isohumulones. That's where they come from. That's what happens when you're boiling the hops and isomerization happens. Exactly. It turns those uh, alpha acids into iso-alpha acids. Now, here's the deal. They, because these are hydrocarbons, but they are also somewhat fragile. I mean, the, the, the carbon structure, the carbon lattice is very strong, but the things that are hanging on to it aren't necessarily as strong. When the isohumulones absorb light in photolysis, they absorb it at the five-carbon ring. Like I said, they're pentagonal hydrocarbons. And the energy is then transferred into a carbon chain appendage that cleaves the ring. It breaks off as a free radical. This is the three methylbut 2 enyl radicals, also known as isoprenol. So, like you said, a lot of uh, interesting chemical stuff <laughs> oh, going well, on. Well, we are the CSI of beer shows. <laughs> this radical reacts with sulfur compounds in the beer, hydrogen sulfide, uh, DMS, dimethyl sulfides, which is you know the vegetable-y taste, and other sulfides that are in hop resin, to produce 3-methylbut-2-enyl-thiol, which, which is also known as prenylmercaptan, and that is the skunky aroma, what we detect as a skunky aroma. Flavor is noticeable to humans at thresholds as low as 0.1 to 1.0 parts per billion. Yeah, so it's very, very noticeable, even at incredibly tiny Amounts. Uh, isoprenyl radicals can also collapse into 2,7-dimethyl-locata-2,6-diene. Now, this is a compound that's not a thiol, but it's used in, co- in cosmetics and perfume as a possible chemical compound, you know, chemical product. So it's another perfumey compound. And back to 3-methyl-but-2-ethanol-thiol, which is the skunky compound, it's not the same compound, but is very similar to that found in skunks. Now, like we say, it's light that causes this. What kind of light? Mostly ultraviolet light, wavelengths of around 5,000 angstroms. However, blue light and lower wavelengths can still affect beer by what's called non-radiative energy transfer. <laughs> this light is absorbed by other molecules and the energy is then transferred to the isohumulones, and the primary absorber is believed to be riboflavin. This is why people will say, oh, only ultraviolet light causes skunkiness. Not necessarily. There's non-energy, non-radiative energy transfer that actually still causes it on lower wavelengths. And those lower wavelengths are visible light from brown to green. Remember your Roy G. Biv, brown, green, blue, indigo, violet, all those will certainly have effects lesser as it gets closer to red. Mm-hmm. So blue bottles or, or clear bottles, they let, let in all the light. They'll cause a very quickly you'll, – you'll get that reaction very quickly. Green bottles have some protection, not a lot. Brown bottles have more protection. The best protection would come from ruby red bottles, but those are very expensive. So you don't see that. And also I don't think it would be very attractive. You kind of need to get a beer in a ruby red bottle. But you can also cover lights with cellophane, red cellophane. That would protect you. Incandescent lights – generally produce less of the wavelengths that cause this problem than fluorescent lights or sunlights. Right. And unfortunately, all coolers are fluorescent Fluorescent lights because they're cheaper to run. Now, there are other ways that you can avoid skunking. You can avoid this light process, and there are a couple beer companies that are doing it. Miller Genuine Draft uses a chemically altered hop derivative, which is formed by running liquid carbon dioxide through a bed of pelletized hops. Uh, this absorbs the hop oils and resins. The CO2 is allowed to evaporate, and the extract is left behind, which won't have the photolytic reaction. 
So that's what MGD does. People have complained about maybe it necessarily doesn't give you as much aroma as regular hops or it causes some extra things to happen in the beer. Oh, but MGD is not supposed to be a hoppy yeah. aroma beer, of but, course. But that's why they can put it in those clear bottles and not get it skunked. Right. Corona encourages users to put lines in the bottle and you get that the, the citrus will cover up the skunky aroma and taste and you won't get any other aromas through. They encourage you to drink out of the bottle so you won't get any aromas that way. So <laughs> that's how Corona does it. And uh, Bex is developing a clear glass that blocks the wavelength that can skunk beers. More power to you guys. Now, as to Rob, who, who suggests temperature change as a possibility, no. Temperature change does not cause a flavotelic reaction, so skunkiness cannot happen that way. However, warm, cold cycles can harm a beer, but what's really harming it is those warm cycles. Uh, it's basically like overpasteurization of a beer and aging it. The heat will caramelize sugars, which throw off the flavor of the beer, and residues like oxygen come out, which then react with fatty acids in the beer to form compounds called unsaturated aldehydes. They give that cardboardy taste and aroma. And heat will also amplify off flavors like DMS. You did your research, Pete. I did a lot of research on this one, so that is why skunk beers happen. That was a good job. I hope our uh, our listener, uh, what was that? What was his name? Uh, Rob, that was Rob. Rob. Hopefully uh, he doesn't feel like we were bashing on him no that's the, the, we get comments from time to time about off flavors and skunkiness and we just thought let's put some time into this and answer the question mm-hmm. and plus a lot of listeners are new and they haven't heard us since the last time we talked yeah. about skunk on to the news a state investigation leads lagunitas to create a new ale what the story was there was an undercover investigation a crackdown to catch them smoking pot in the brewery and they, they, the state liquor control board caught him and made him shut down for like 10 days or, uh-huh. or 20, 20 day suspension from the, of their brewing license. So, they, they, they were letting people smoke pot in their brewery, I think, I was the deal. Letting people or the employees, I'm not sure which, but they got busted. So when they came back up, they made... Um, Undercover investigation, shutdown ale. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I actually had some of this. This is one bitter mofo. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> you, you think some of those stone beers are, are bitter. This one is, I'm surprised it tasted more bitter than anything I've had because really? I thought I was at the threshold of bitterness that you could taste. Wow. This one really did something to make the bitterness shine through. And it's pretty strong. It's like 10.1% alcohol by volume. The U.S. House of Representatives has passed a resolution Come. Mending America's craft brewers for their contributions to the nation's communities, economy, culture, and history. And also formalizes Craft Beer Week or something for next year. Great. I mean, I'd, I'd, it's good to see that, you know, that the House is, that government is recognizing this. At the same time, I don't really think it means anything. <laughs> it's just a fun news story. Yeah. That's Here's a surprise. Well, not really a surprise, but a twist that we weren't expecting. Goose Island Beer Company has reached an agreement to distribute its beer through Widmer Brothers Brewing Company's network. And this allows Widmer to purchase a minority equity interest in Goose Island and expand their presence in the Midwest. We were expecting Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch, to be mm-hmm. looking into uh, Goose Island for the distribution. Right. Now, the funny thing is, it's like a threesome because Widmer uses Anheuser-Busch's distribution network. But Widmer gets the minority stake of Goose Island, not Anheuser-Busch, unless it's funneled through or something. Interesting, I, don't know. I guess. That, that's, huh. So it looks, there's uh, stuff in here talking about how both Goose Island and Widmer are both happy. Widmer's going to get a better um, exposure around Chicago and East, and Goose Island will get the, the national distribution reach that 
Um, they get with the Widmer slash Anheuser-Busch distribution chain. Ingredient labeling is back. Jamie says it's in the story, and this is an interesting thing. Because uh, there's a new push to put nutrition and ingredient labels on alcoholic beverages, similar to the ones already required on food and drugs, which would label precisely what's in your beer. Now, some, I mean, like Budweiser already says it has rice and, and corn and stuff on there. And it hasn't detracted people from. If it needs the nutrition stuff, you know, like two milligrams of yeah. sodium, that could be a problem for, or expensive for a lot of small breweries. You know, they'd have, like Scott from East End, he'd have to send off samples of his beer to a lab to get them analyzed for his labels. Hmm. But, I mean, he also doesn't um, distribute beer in. Um, in bottles. In bottles or anything like that. It's all kegs and growlers. So you might not have as much of a problem, but that sounds like a lot of extra work for the brewery. And can't that change in a batch per batch basis? Yeah, certainly can. I'm it, sure it's it, just going to be. There may be a requirement that only of a certain volume do you have to actually label it, because I think there's that with food as well. You will very shortly. You will see very shortly a temporary rule that is going to require the disclosure of allergens on alcoholic beverages. Now that's a good thing. Says John Manafreda of the Alcohol and Tobacco Trade and Tax Bureau, which is the former ATF. Yeah. I, no, it's good to, to put allergens on your beer, you know, because you don't want to – any food, you'd, you'd rather not people get sick. You don't want to have peanuts in your beer and people not know about it. Guess that's it for news. Our beer of the night is a callback to our very first full show. Oh, it was. Yeah. Just about just a year ago this week, yeah. too. How about that? <laughs> We're going to do, I guess we'll do Pilsners the first week of every June, second week of every June. But um, tonight... Tonight we're going to do four Pilsners. One is a Czech Pilsner. The other three are German Pilsners. The German Pilsner style typically features a light grainy malt character, sometimes graham cracker-like. Distinctive flowery, spicy noble hops, which we're used to with this because those beers get really nice, spicy, uh-huh. flowery aroma. Clean, no fruity esters or no diacetyl. May have initial sulfury aroma from the water and or yeast and a low background note of DMS from the Pilsner malt. Flavor, crisp and bitter, but with a dry to medium dry finish. Moderate to moderately low, yet well attenuated maltiness. Although some grainy flavors and slight malt sweetness are acceptable, hot bitterness dominates the taste and continues through the finish and lingers into the aftertaste. Hop flavor may range from low to high, but should only be derived from German noble hops. Clean, no fruity esters, no diacetyl. So we're getting a nice, crisp, refreshing beer. With a light malt character, with a little bit of graininess. A little bit of graininess. Sometimes you're going to get some of that graham crackery or, or a little bit of DMS, which is can be that cooked vegetable aroma mm-hmm. and flavor. Now, a Bohemian Pilsner, which is... Uh, the pills, the, the one. Is, uh, the this is the German one is the Bavarian Pilsner. Okay. The Czech one is the Bohemian. Okay. The history of this German one is it's a copy of the Bavari- of the Bohemian one, but adapted for brewing conditions in Germany where the water is not as soft. Now the Bohemian Pilsner is going to have a rich with com. It's supposed to. <clears throat> the aromas of a Bohemian Pilsner are supposed to be rich with complex malt and spicy floral zatz hop bouquet. Some diacetyl is acceptable, but need not be present. Otherwise, clean with no fruity esters, and the flavor should be rich, complex maltiness, combined with the pronounced yet soft and rounded bitterness and flavor from Zot's hops. Some diacetyl is acceptable, but need not be present, like we said. Bitterness is prominent, but never harsh and does not linger. The aftertaste is balanced between malt and hops, clean with no fruity esters. 
We should mention that uh, the hops in these, we, keep, we call them Zots. They're the hops that are spelled S-A-A-Z, yeah. or it might look like Saz. Well, what do you say we get some beers? Let's get some beers. Let's do it. Beer time. Get some beers. Beer time. Beer number one. Pils Urkel. Pilsner Urkel is the original Pilsner. I've been wanting to try this again for a while. The last time I had this was, God, years ago. 4.4% alcohol by volume from Plensky Pardov in the Czech Republic. And it smells pretty skunk. It's in a green bottle. And it was um, bought from uh, Skunkville, <laughs> where we bought our beers last week. Fun, fun. The rest of the beers? Now, th- this is... This is not the one that should have an initial sulfury aroma, too, so we'll see. Uh, and also, you know, Pilsners are pretty hoppy, so the skunk beer is certainly appears to be, it smells to be very light struck. Stinks. It just really stinks. This skunky thing's really, it's making me angry, Greg. <laughs> you may just have to go to D's. And actually, this one smells more like true skunk than anything we've had before. Maybe not when you put your nose right in it, but if you're like yeah. sitting it down and yeah. it's wafting up, it smells like there's a skunk outside. Don't let it air out a little bit. Maybe it'll get a little bit better. We may have to go to D's more often, which means buy some DVDs so we have some more money because D's cost a lot more. Yeah. Oh, that's just a bummer. We have another green one in here, too. That one didn't come from the bottle shop. That came from a listener. So Okay. Okay, it's airing out a bit. Yeah. Getting it, some, uh, getting getting more of a malt flavor. I mean, there, there's still a backbone of skunk there, but I'm getting some more, you know, crackery malt. Yeah, it's kind of hard to pick out the the spicy floral zots aroma because it's all been turned to trithyl or trimethyl do to what the old. <laughs> Let me get the chemical here because <laughs> I forgot it too. The chemical name is three methyl butyl two enolthiol, or you can also call it prenyl mercaptan. Prenyl mercaptan. Skunk. Actually, I'm starting to get a hop aroma. Finally. Finally. Flavor's not that bad. It's a fuller body than I would have expected. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the whole the pills are hype and how crisp and light it is. It has a, a fair amount of... Bo- maybe, you know, because I maybe I was thinking a little bit along the lines of an American crap or something. Right. There's a nice body to it. I was expecting something a little bit thinner in the body, though, but I like it. Yeah, it, it, once you air out some of that skunkiness, I'm getting... Trying to get the flavors here, it's it's a, it's a richer beer than you might expect. It has there's still some skunk flavor there? Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of hard to to throw yeah, all it, that away. It's it's certainly not skunk isn't a volatile yeah. you know compound. It's not all going to evaporate. I'm surprised how much of it does seem to mm-hmm. air out when we're doing these shows. There's kind of a bready malt taste there. There's definitely some diacetyl. Giving you a little bit of some butteriness at the end and bitterness coming around the back of your tongue. Yeah, yeah there's, um, I just noticed the bitterness at the end. It kind of sits on the back half of your tongue, nice and heavy. Mm-hmm. The mouthfeel does, I can't taste the diacetyl, but it does taste to feel a little slick in the mouth. So there probably is a little bit there. The malt flavor is nice on this. It's, um, it's certain bready. It's not really the graham cracker that we should, that was mentioned for the other style. Yeah. This is the Bohemian Pilsner. Or the Czech Pilsner. But it has a nice, nice, uh, malty body to it. This is probably pretty, pretty good off of a tap. Uh, I expect that if you are going to get a bunch of bottles of this, make sure it's been in very good conditions. 
Okay, now now my tongue is picking up the hop flavor. Mm-hmm. That finally came around. Because I was thinking, you know, it tastes malty, but it's not really supposed to taste that malty. It's supposed to be balanced or hop forward. So now I'm getting more of a hop flavor. It's not nice. I mean, since it is so light struck, it's not a nice, crisp, zesty hop flavor like yeah. you would get on this sometimes. But it's a fair amount there. It's a nice flavor. The only problem is that every time I put this to my mouth, I'm getting more skunk. And it's just... It's not like the skunk is overpowering, but it's there. And it really does detract from the beer as a whole. And we had a listener send us in saying you shouldn't really judge beers as their skunk because it's not the best you know, it's not the real character of the beer. And we essentially agree, but there's only so much we can do. And plus we have, this one comes in a green bottle, so unless you know, you got the great bottle shop, the odds are this one's gonna come through a bit skunk lightstruck. It sure would be nice to taste this without Light struck though. Yeah, it, it would probably be exactly, taste really clean. Taste, yeah, really clean and uh, you know it has to do with the Czechoslovakian water, right? That's part of the reason why pilsners were created. Yeah the the harder the water means that the it's more alkaline, mm-hmm. and to get that back in the range for good mashing for the enzymes to work, you need to to lower the pH. So by adding dark grains, roasted grains, they're acidic, so they balance it out. With um, the soft water, which is already in a good pH range for making beer in Pilsen, they could use all light malt and because they, they didn't need any dark stuff to, to move to balance the right. pH. So that's how this style was derived in that part of the world. Cause that and they had nice, cool caves. Yeah. <laughs> which because well, There was lagering before there was... Um, Pilsner or Quell. Right. So there was there was lagering throughout Europe before that. This uh beer, I believe well this yeah, this beer was first started in eighteen forty two. I think the Pilsner style is two hundred years old or so. I think around the sixteen hundreds is when that was first really refined. I could be wrong. I hate making up numbers like that, but <laughs> a, I well, have this, this is, nagging feeling in the back of my head is around the 1600s. Well, this is the first Pilsner, right? The Pilsner Kell is the first Pilsner. It's built, it's, uh, it's made they in the city. It that, it, yeah. It's made in the city, and it's certainly they certainly promote it that way. Uh, whether, you know, the guy working at Pilsner Quell brewed the first pale yellow Pilsner-style beer in Pilsen, I don't know. <laughs> Mm. Oh, I just got a big mouthful of skunk. Yeah, some of that skunk is still left over, and it's unfortunate because I think this would be a pretty tasty beer if it didn't have. Uh... Should drink it from the bottle <laughs> with the lime in it. Yeah, that's true. So chalk one up for the Czechs. They know what they're doing. If, I hope the brown bottles they, aren't skunked. Yeah. I really. Oh, look at that. The Brooklyn Pilsner doesn't have a sticker on the cap, which means I probably didn't buy it at Skunkville number two. Nice. <laughs> on to our next beer, which is EKU EK, EKU Pils. It's a German Pilsner with 5.0% alcohol by volume from Kulmbacher Brewery AG in Kulmbach, Germany. Well, first whiff smells good. doesn't overpower me of skunk, so this one could be good. We're on to our German pilsner, which should be a little bit lighter and cleaner. No diacetyl, less bitterness, more cleanliness. Cleanness as it hits yeah. off our palate. 
typically a little less hoppy compared to the Bohemian and a little more malty. Mmm, that's a nice smell. Yeah, I wouldn't expect that to be Jeff did a look, but I wouldn't expect <laughs> I always look in the bottom of the bottle to see. Yeah, these are all filtered, or at least they're lagered and transferred without any yeast. So it smells like it smells nice and fresh compared yeah, to the last one. Yeah. Not much skunk. They're getting a little. It's a very clean aroma. It's kind of hard to find what you're smelling. There's a bit of hops and a bit of malt in there. Let's see here. It's a. Yeah, clean is the best way to put it. Hard to describe the exact. I'm getting a little bit of here. flowery aroma from the hops. Maybe like howa towel or something like that. Yeah, uh, f- f- maybe a little bit sweet too. We forgot to talk about what these beers. We were so busy about the skunk last time, we didn't describe what it looked like at all. Be- beer is a pale yellow, looks like American macro. Has a big fluffy head on it though, and it's a nice thick, creamy shaving cream type head. Hmm. You can definitely see where they you know where they say um, light but grainy, malty, and very refreshing. Yeah, they're getting a grainy malt flavor, and actually a little bit of graham cracker in the aftertaste. I noticed. Uh, Lighter mouthfeel than the Pilsner mm-hmm. Quell. It's really nice. It's um, wow. It's it's got a little bit of of bitterness. It almost seems to roll. It kind of rolls in the back of your tongue. And, That's and a great way to put it. It kind of the the mass of the beer is just swallowing. It just feels like it's rolling up over the hump on the back of your mm-hmm. tongue. Pick the weirdest things to describe beers. <laughs> It, it's funny to think about how a year ago we probably would not have been very impressed with the spear. Oh yeah, probably very right. We did well last year. We did three big American craft pilsners. Yeah, well, Pennsylvania craft pilsners. So I certainly wanted to get a more traditional reach with this show. I just burped up some skunk from the pilsner. Well, <laughs> that was no fun. Stop haunting me. You're gone. But. Yeah, I mean, as as we've been trying more beers and really been getting a handle on, on different beer styles and really appreciating what's out there, things like this beer, which you know, it's not a hoppy beer, it's not going to give kill you with bitterness or anything like that, but it's it's really very tasty and and refreshing and it pulls you in. Medium high carbonation. Uh, partway through the sip, it tastes like you're drinking a a sprite or something. Carbonation, nice clean. Like the floral flavors, almost a, like a lemony lime type. I hate to say that because you know lemony lime. We're talking about like hefas and yeah. and wit beers, but it seems reminiscent of that. I like get the beginning of the flavor when mm-hmm. the carbonation is really exploding on your tongue, and you really can't taste much else in the the prickly carbonation. Almost, almost a bit of, and it's usually bad, but here, Lettuce or cabbage? I guess that's from the DMS, and I think that's it, it. It's just light enough that it's a little floral. That it's is not a bad flavor. The best way I can describe it is maybe a little bit of lettuce or cabbage kind mm-hmm. of or feeling or aftertaste. <coughs> mm. 
I haven't been coughing lately. No. <laughs> it takes me a cough. It takes my cough before you realize that. <laughs> mm. This is a good summertime drink. Yeah. On the hottest of days, this would be nice and tasty and refreshing. It, 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 leaves you, it leaves your mouth clean, a little bit bright, a little bit of a bright flavor there. That just... It, <clears throat> is that me? Yeah, I think it me. might have been me. Leaves your mouth clean, a little bit of a bright flavor that really just wants you to, to drink more. So it's a dangerous beer because it'll get you drinking. <laughs> Big difference from how this beer was intended to taste to what the American brewers did, don't you think? I just burped up some skunk too. That's nasty. <laughs> oh, oh. It's multiplying in your stomach. It's, it's very big because, like we said before, the American style is hoppy, very hoppy. And that's good, but you can see the... Well, I meant more of what the American macro brewers did to this style. Oh. That's what I was getting at. It's a huge difference. Some, you know, the difference in enjoyability is huge. The difference in flavor is more subtle than I think you're giving it credit for. It's a little bit bolder. It's got more bitterness. Bit richer. Has less of the the nasty macro lager flavor. Right. That, that yeah. Um, that lack of the lack of hops, the adjunct, the mass produced yeast flavor, whatever all that adds up to. I'd love to try this side by side with like a Prima Pills. Yeah. And what we're going to be doing a Brooklyn Lager next. Mm-hmm. So a Brooklyn Pilsner. So we'll be able to do a little bit of combination. But I'm thinking, you know, I really like Prima Pills. I'd love to try it beside this to compare those two. This is very good. I mean, yeah, it is funny to think that this is what Budweiser is going for. Yeah, I was I was kind of curious about this brand, this EKU. I've never had a beer from them. I know they make this EKU something or something. It's a really, really strong beer, like not compared to some of the dogfish head beers, but to uh, you know, I always hear the non beer people say, "Yeah, EKU twenty eight or whatever." It, it's it's strong. It's like twelve percent. Uh-huh. You know, so it sounds almost like, you know, they're just putting out this beer and the letters EKU sound almost like, you know, marketing, mm-hmm. but it's, it's good beer behind it. So I had a little bit of a hesitant start to this <laughs> beer because I didn't know what I was going to get, but it came out good. Awesome. Well, our next beer. Oh man, that Urquell is still coming up skunky. <laughs> like we said, point, point 0.1 to 1.0 parts per billion is when that's detectable. So that's still mixing around in there. This is the Brooklyn Pilsner from Brooklyn Brewery in New York. It is 5.1% alcohol by volume, and they use two-row malt from Bamberg. They also use Hollertau Middlefru, Hollertauer, Pearl, Zotz, and Vanguard hops. And their OG is 1.050. No, their OG is Garrett Oliver, the original gangsta. <laughs> Again, you know, you're looking at a, a straw-colored beer. It's very clear. This one's clearer than the EKU, yeah. actually. Head is just as big, not quite as creamy. Nice white fluffy head again. And as I might expect from my... There's that skunk again. <laughs> <laughs> from the, from the from, Pilsner from, the, from my burp, I should mention. As I might expect from an American brewery, the first thing I'm smelling here is hops. Yeah, but it, it's all... Uh, noble hops, yeah. so it's that yeah. zesty, that that floral spiciness. It's kind of nice. 
It is. It is spicy. It's a, you know, it's a good way to put it. Spicy on your nose. It um, it bites it a bit. I don't know if I'd use the word bite because it's still pretty subtle to me, or at least my nose isn't working. <laughs> um, but there's a fair amount of malt backing up the aroma as well. But the hops are the first thing you smell. It really does smell very good. More body than the EKU. Much more floral. Yeah. Probably a little bit too floral for the style, I think. It says hot bitterness dominates the taste and continues through the finish, lingers into the aftertaste. The fluff, the, 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 fluff. No. the hot flavor is definitely the most prominent thing about this beer, as opposed to the EKU, which was more balanced and probably was a little bit more heavier on the malt. I, I disagree. I think this one's heavier on the malt. I think they needed more of a malt backbone to support those hops. And I think this one has a fuller body and a more malt to it, more present, hot present, yeah, more malt presence to it. I'm not saying I dislike it, but I think we're already ranking. <laughs> I think the EKU fit more of the style than this is you know, sort of an American version, which is you know pile on the hops and give you a, a more of a, a fruity presence. It is hoppier, but I wouldn't say it's pile on the hops. I mean, you're kind of being disingenuous, I think, when okay. you way you put right. it. Well, that, that's a good point. It, it's, it's, it does taste American. Yeah. There's more hops in it than it's distinctively a typical European. Than your yeah. European lagers, the European style of the, of the same style. Right. That's, you know, a hallmark of American beers. And it's kind of, uh, Yin or yang. I mean, either you like either you like one style more, or you like the other more. I think that these days I'm tending to like more of the malt presence, and that's why, to me, while this is excellent, and I'm not trying to, mm-hmm. to down on Brooklyn, I'm more, I'd be more inclined to have more EKU than I would the Brooklyn. Oh, I agree with you too. I, I think I enjoyed the EKU better right now. I after drinking this, I think the Prima Pils is a lot more like this one mm-hmm. than it is like the EKU. I think it has that more body to it, and. Um, more hops. I know it's hoppier. Yeah. So that, just that EKU was a very delicate, yeah, it's, it's and delicate. balanced beer. The the, the the hoppiness in the Brooklyn almost has kind of a tanginess to it, mm-hmm. and that's something you really didn't get with the EKU. Now, th- don't get us wrong. This beer isn't like an American IPA or anything. No, it's not. It, it's not crazy hops, but it is. The hops are significant for the style compared to the Europeans mm-hmm. ones, especially. The finish is pretty clean, though. I was just gonna. I was just getting there. I was like, it doesn't have as much aftertaste as the other ones it had. It kind of once it's gone, it's gone. It's very clean finish. Which for you know a macro beer drinker, that's just what they're looking for. Right. But for me, I want a little present to hang around for a bit. You know, <laughs> enjoy that aftertaste. Yeah, I mean the, the 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 best way to describe the hops that I can think of right now is tangy. It's almost sour in a way. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about food. Fish. This one would go with a bolder meal than the other ones, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but this one, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is a nice fish sandwich. Or... Yeah. Um, like with the other beers, the tartar sauce might actually overpower some of the beer flavor. Uh-huh. But with this, this will cut through the tartar sauce. Whereas those ones you might just want to have with a lemon zest or something right, like that. Right, maybe, like uh, maybe like a salmon, uh, pan-fried salmon or something. With uh, You could use a boulder fish, some trout or yeah, salmon with this beer. Uh-huh. Other ones you'd want a nice white fish, something like flaky. Like a tilapia or something like yeah. that. 
a good crisp garden salad or something. Tossed salad would go good with either of these. I'm not sure what kind of dressing you'd want on it. Nachos. (laughs) (laughs) Nacho dressing. Mm. Now I'm just thinking other stuff. You know, this would be refreshing enough for spicy Mexican food. Yeah, I typically like something hoppy. Well, this is hoppy. I guess you're right. Not if it'd be my first choice for Mexican, but it'd work. I like something that goes down. You know, I don't like a, a high gravity beer for something that's spicy because it's kind of it gets sweet and gets in the way a bit. Mm-hmm. I understand that too. I think fish is the best way to go with any of these beers tonight. Certainly, yeah. if you're picking a dish to make with a pilsner, I I definitely have to go fish. I mean, even chicken or turkey. Eh. It, it, that's a little bit too. Yeah, I you know I'd go with. Wow, let's see. I'd go with even like a brown ale for like chicken. Yeah, because you get the caramelization yeah. on the meat, especially if it's roasted or something. And then I'd go even, even darker and darker as you get to you know, steak and stuff like that. That was very good. But I still think I like the EKU better. On to our last pills, the Trumer Pills, which is a German pilsner from the Trumer Brewery Berkeley in California. Browery. Browery. This week was a pain in the butt to, to get the notes because every one of these websites was a Flash website, so I couldn't copy any text <laughs> out of it. Urgh. Now, this Trumer one had very little information. Apparently, there's American and European brewers who got together and made this brewery in Berkeley. And as far as I could tell, there's also breweries in Europe that are Trumer. And I think so they kind of like branched out and yeah. put one in America. But very unclear. They were all... Except for the Brooklyn, they were all heavy marketing sites. Hmm. This was sent in by a listener. Gary sent this in. Thank you, Gary. I hope it was Gary. It's still a styrofoam stuck to the bottle. We packed it in this loose foam, (laughs) and it took me forever to get that off my hands and off the walls as I'm packing these bottles. Even though it has a green bottle, it's not skunked. Well, thank you, Gary, for uh, not sitting out in the sun before shipping it to us. (laughs) My friend actually, he he's my friend, the one who moved recently. He, he had some cores or what was it? it was something cores light or something in bottles that he brought to the beach, <laughs> and then he brought them back, and they were so skunked it was unbelievable. I mean, even cores light it was just like whoa, oh, skunk. And he, the moral enemy, and the reason why is because, like we said, that point point one to one point zero parts per billion. That's how small the threshold is for detection. There are some beer off flavors that are in the parts per trillion detection. <laughs> like just several parts, like eight parts per trillion. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I have a huge head on mine and not much room is yeah. making it through right now. Pours another clear yellow, pale yellow. I detected a really interesting smell there and I almost had it identified, but I couldn't. Let me see if I can figure it out. I'm certainly smelling the Pilsner malt, that graininess, that, that little bit of DMS, that kind of graham crackery flavor. Oh, man, what is that? I'll just call it hops. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't figure it out. It smells like beer. It's mm, beer. It's an enticing smell, but it, I, I seem to remember it from a dish, maybe almost... Because I just had Indian a couple of days ago, and I remember they have some very aromatic dishes. 
Ooh, this has an interesting flavor. I guess that's mostly Pilsner malt flavor. You get this um, light, malty flavor, a little bit of, um, I wouldn't quite call it biscuity. What would you call it? It's a slightly more earthy flavor. Uh, it's got... Hmm. It's definitely more earthy than what we're what we've been getting before. Perhaps a slight... No, it's not roasty. It, it, it's hard. Yeah. Almost, maybe a little peaty. Maybe a little bit peaty. Let's look at the guide and have it tell us what we're tasting here. Huh? Let's see. <laughs> Is it any of these flavors? Well attenuated maltiness, although some grainy flavors and slight malt sweetness are acceptable. It's not really that grainy. No, it's not that grainy. I mean, I'm just detecting an interesting sweetness. I mean, what I'm getting mostly from the end of here, besides... Is it a slight cream, malt sweetness? It's a slight malt sweetness. It's acceptable. Uh, and I think that, that that's what's happening here. It, it's kind of a almost a peaty flavor and a slight sweetness that you didn't get from the other beers. Still, we get the bitterness in the back, but it's still pretty clean at the end. It's, a, it's a, certainly that, that sweetness is what you're tasting. I, it tastes like another beer that I've had. But God knows what it is. It's a kind of... The more I taste this, the more I like it. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Now, remember that red rice we had from yeah, uh-huh. Hatichino Nest? Is it? Now, that was rice, granted. Yeah. But I'm getting a flavor, and I'm like going through my database in my brain trying to think, what was it like? And that one kind of got flagged. I'm like, what do you think? Anything at all? Any well, kind of similarities? Was, uh, see, that, that flavor reminded me most of, of really nice sake. Uh-huh. It was kind of a, a that fermented rice flavor. I don't really detect that. So I have an error in my database in my head. Well, huh? it, it, may be, it may be corollary. It may be somewhat similar sweetness. But I don't detect the, that, 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 that kind of interesting floralness that sure. came with sure i was just kind of trying to bounce yeah. it off you to see if a light bulb went off in your head and like yeah it is similar in certain x y or z way like the sweetness type part mm-hmm. of it because it's a light body with a sweetness to it yeah it's it, i think it's a in, i can see where you're coming from i can uh but i i do think it's a bit sweeter uh and more bitter obviously much more bitter mm-hmm. and a lot less red <laughs> <laughs> Wow, this is very good. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Gear. This is making this is going to make the number one beer hard, uh, tough choice for tonight. It is. It is. Pilsner or Quell, or yeah, let's see. Mm. <laughs> hey, you remove the skunk from Pilsner Quell, and it would be up in the top too. I think it'd be good. Yeah, if we could get a clean bottle, and it wasn't from Skunkville. These these were all, you know, with the exception of the skunkiness in the Pilsner Quell, these were all very good beers. Boy, this is this is going to be a tough one to rate. But I think I have it. I think I'm going to put the yeah. EKU number one. Right, okay. Just by a hair over the um, the Trumer. Trumer's nice, has that little bit of sweetness, sweetness. But I think I like the cleanness and the, the hops in the EKU a little bit better. So EKU, Trumer. Brooklyn number three. It, w- it was decent, but it wasn't quite what we were looking for in a Pilsner yeah. tonight. Right. With the rest of these beers. And then... Pilsner and Quill, even without the skunk, it might have moved up one spot, but certainly not any more than one. Um, I agree. I mean, you pretty much pulled it out exactly the way I was thinking. I think that 
the the e, the EKU is probably the best and the most enjoyable, or really the best, most balanced of them all. The Trumer had that really nice, still has that nice sweetness, uh, but the EKU is probably a little bit better and more balanced. The Brooklyn, while it's very good, like you said, I think we weren't looking for as much that floral hoppiness as we got from from the Brooklyn. We were looking for more of a European style, and we got more American with that. And the Pilsner Kell, well, I mean, it's forced to be last because it was skunky. It might have moved ahead of the Brooklyn had it been. Yeah, had it been also, fresh, I mean, might have yeah. been ahead of Brooklyn. It had been a close tie. It depends on if it was as clean as the the two the other two beers. Right. The Brooklyn was good. It just was it was a bolder American, and for both of us tonight, it just wasn't what we were looking for in these beers. I think that's true. All right. Well, look at the time. We're four seconds away from an hour. <laughs> After I edit, it'll be a lot shorter. But uh, <laughs> that's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us email to beer at craftbeerradio.com. Remember our Frapper map. Frapper map. Frapper. There's a link on the right side of our website. And buy a one year of Craft Beer Radio yeah. DVD. We know you can download all the shows off the website. But what's the point of that when you can give us some money to help support the show? Right. What's the point of that when you can spend some money on it? I like it. Exactly. <laughs> Tune in again next week. Let's do the saisons next week. Sure. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information.